Never forget when the U and Jimmy Johnson invented swagger. You are locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Tuesday. Happy Truth Teller Tuesday. I'm Alex Dono, your host, University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. Thank you so much to the everydayers for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We are part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. We bring up multiple friends today. As you guys can see, Bruce Warner, the truth teller, is here. And Bruce, we have a very special guest that you brought with us today. Sure. Well, he's a friend of mine from way back when, and we both look pretty damn good for our age. But, um, and I've known him a long time. So Dave Hyde from the Sun Sentinel, who was a fabulous writer, not too great on computers, but he's, he's a great writer. <laughs> and he wrote this book, Swagger, about Jimmy Johnson. It's behind him over there. You could see it. Uh, there you go. That's a good thing. And so by I'm, the way, 4.6 average is pretty darn good because you're always going to get some haters, right? To be that near 5.0 perfect is pretty darn good, Dave. Yeah, we'll take 4.6. I didn't know that. Uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, he's on top of all this stuff. So anyway, so Dave wrote this book, and you know now we're coming off 7 and 5. We're recruiting in the portal, and guys are leaving, and it's kind of a mess, and it makes you think back to the good old days. This was the good old days because I was there. I know Dave was around. So, Dave, talk about this, and I'd like to ask you just right off the bat before we – you know, so Alex has some questions – what did you know going into this book about J.J.? <clears throat> what did you learn from him? Or what did you think you were going to find that you didn't or you did find out that you just didn't know about Jimmy Johnson? Yeah, so the book started. I actually went down to Jimmy and Isla Morata to do a column on him um, uh, going into the Hall of Fame. And I, 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 I thought I'd had the idea of doing a book on him or, you know, from my side. And, and uh, I pitched it to him at the end of the interview and he looked up in the air for about three seconds and he said, OK, let's do it. And I said, oh, oh, don't you want to <laughs> think about it for a while? Um, but, uh, you know, he got into it. And, and what did I learn from him? Well, a lot of stuff it expounded on what you knew, which was. Here, here's a guy who, who who took a machete and created his own path in coaching. You know, he had his ideas mm -hmm. and, and how he was going to follow those ideas. You know, the uh, um, positive mindset, the, you know, and, and, and some of the ways he went about them building up players. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't know um, – stories of him going on a blackjack and, 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 you know, winning that way and, and, and getting mad at, at other coaches or friends who, who, you know, had a bad attitude at the blackjack table. And so that, that you know, that, that small thing, but to carry it over into football, that's sort of how he coached too, that he got to UM and he said he knew he was going to succeed. And why? Cause, cause, I have the plan. And, and he got to Dallas and he, and he, and he said, it wasn't a question of if he succeeded, but when, 
right. you know, but was it, is it next year? Is it two years? I, I know I'll succeed. So, um, but then on the personal side, there were things I didn't know is, uh, um, and there's chapters in here. First of all, the Jerry Jones chapter set right. us that cause that, that was just, uh, uh, you know, fertile ground that he hadn't really talked about or gone through. But but on the personal side, his his son Chad struggles with alcohol, um, and 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 what that did to the family, what it did to Jimmy, how they came out of it, and 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 to become a much stronger uh, family and his relationship now with them. So, um, you, you know, beyond that, the the personal cost of coaching is something we never really think about, and and it really hit home with Jimmy that he, for all his success he hated being that guy. He hated being the guy he had to be. Right. When as a coach, the, the, what he felt, the dictator, the driving guy, the guy, when they have success, it, it makes his job harder because uh, he doesn't want people to live off success. So he, he's got to keep pushing them. So he became, he came to hate that guy. And, and that's one of the things that led him to leave coaching. So um, he also said he got angrier and angrier and angrier every year. He got angrier. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because now, you know, I, Bruce and Alex, you guys knew Jimmy, the coach. And as, as I did, and, and I, I've got to know him in retirement a little more as a person. Then in the book, I really got to know him. And he, I mean, he's like a teddy bear now. I mean, I mean he's like, yeah. <laughs> He's, not confrontational yeah that's, that's exactly he still has that um the ego and he still knows who what he's done and all that but he's a teddy bear now yeah well, and, and dave going back to you know to his his roots and his legacy at the university of miami the book is called swagger and that word gets associated so much with the history of miami and it goes back to that jimmy johnson era how how did he navigate that? Where he, you know, you talk about his kind of dictatorial side, if I you know, dictatorial dictator side or whatever, but he really allowed these players to let their personalities shine through. And how how did how did he sort of allow that swagger personality to develop at Miami? Well, I, I think this was the real revolutionary change, the big change to sports in America, really. Um, when Jimmy comes to Miami, remember, we, this is after the Bud Wilkinson era, the sixties, you know, the Vince Lombardi and the pro and, and it's, it's, uh, especially college football, forget Vince Lombardi, but the college football is a small pastoral town and in Lincoln, Nebraska or state college, Pennsylvania, that, that's where college football is known. And for the first time, there's a real urban centric you know, uh, city and, and, and brought the black athlete to the university and, and, and Jimmy, um, it took him a while. It took him uh, a little bit. In fact, Steve Walsh, um, talking to him, he said, Jimmy figured out how to, um, talk to and deal with and get the best out of. And let, by, and that was by allowing the players to be themselves as long as they played within his, you know, framework of what he wanted to do. You know, you work hard, you don't make dumb penalties, you you help your teammate, you know, the team comes first. All that. As long as they worked in his framework, he allowed them to be themselves. And he not only allowed them, it, it, Jimmy got mad when people said, well, you know, he has no control over his players. No, he did have control. He let them, he encouraged them to do this, not just let them, he encouraged them. 
he wanted them to be the best ver- who they were on the field because that would lead them to being the best player they could be. And also, Dave, they practiced so damn hard. I mean, I was there. Yeah. Oh, they practiced hard. So when he got out on the field, he wanted them to express themselves, and they expressed it the way they did with you know with the six shooters and the chops and this stuff and all that and bowing and all that stuff. That's he 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 loved it. And then when they started out the Oklahoma game, when Winston Moss and Alonzo were out, were about the, you know, and 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 the late Jerome Brown, they were just mouthing off and mouthing off. He loved that stuff. Because he said, I got into their heads. They haven't even kicked off yet. So that was the beauty of Jimmy Johnson. And he also said, I'll handle the, the BS that we get from above. You guys just do your thing, right? You know, and, and that's really – swagger wasn't a word that was invented at that time. It came, it came later, but it defined really what the University of Miami was in that era. And um, if you didn't live it, it's hard to recreate um, – you know, who they were in America, you know, Sports Illustrated ran the poll. They were the most hated team in the country in, in, in all sports. And and uh, um, and and da- Detroit Pistons bad boys were second and, and uh, the Dallas Cowboys were third. Maybe I'm flipping Dallas and UM. But the point being, Jimmy's teams were he allowed them to act in a way that was abnormal in American sports at the time. Right. And there were a little bits of here and there of, of, of problems, criminal problems, but not as much as everybody makes it out to be criminals yeah. and thugs. That's just not true. Catholics versus convicts, all those. Yeah, that's not true. Yeah. Look, look at the Gators, how many arrests that they had when, when, um, when Urban Liar was there. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so uh, let me ask you this. So then he goes to Dallas and he wins two, but he really won three because Switzer stepped in whatever he stepped in. Um and he brought in a lot of Miami guys. The attitude didn't change at all. That's why he was successful there too. That's where you said he knew it. He did know it. You know, he would he and his he, he took a staff. You know, and that was really Jimmy created this staff just going back to Oklahoma State with Wanstead and Butch Davis, and and you you can see the, the his tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he would have a line when, when they were looking to draft a player in Dallas. He'd say, is he a Miami guy? Right. And he, what he meant was, does he, is he going to work? Is he f- full of confidence and, and ego that, that I love to coach? Because he wanted to got coach guys in his, you know, who, who were like him, like yeah. a lot of coaches do. And because and, and he, uh, he, he could associate with them and bring out their best. And so he'd have a line, is he a Miami guy? And then the coaches would know, you know, that was short version of all that. All he had to, they said yes or no. And then that, that meant, okay. Is, is Who was the guy that he wrote about? I forgot. He was, he was getting thrown out of schools or, but Jimmy asked him, is he smart? Football smart. Was it Leon? Lett? Who was the guy that was, I forgot who it was, but there was a, a part of the book talked yeah. about it. He said, listen, this is the kind of guy, I don't give a damn what anybody else wants. This is what I want. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, and when I pitched the book to Jimmy, I, I said, you know, you have all these league GMs and football people and basketball people, personnel people coming down, coaches to talk to you. And, and what the main thing they want to talk to them about, how do you evaluate talent? Because as much as everything else, how you evaluate talent and pick talent um, was what made them, you know, and, and, and intelligence was the number one thing that he looked at, you know, and, and obviously the given is, is the athletic. Okay. But yeah, 
intelligence was number one. And so when he was looking to trade for Charles Haley, to your to your anecdote, um, he had all his coaches call people, anybody they knew in San Francisco and ask the number one, is he intelligent? Because I can work with him if he is. And if he's not, we got no shot. Right. He didn't have any problems with guys that just did their own thing, or unless they were like in jail or something like that. But he didn't have any problem with some of these guys that just they were their own individuals. Yeah, they, they crossed lines and things like that. Uh, but, you know, to this day, he's still he's a legend. He's a legacy. He's incredible. You know, and, it's, and he, he's a damn shame that Marino wasn't in his prime when he when he got to Marino. He had said that, too. Yeah, it's true. That was, uh, you know, but it was a blast to do, as you can imagine. I went to Isla Mirada, I don't know, 10 times. And... He didn't ask me to go with you. I could have gone with you. <laughs> <laughs> went out on his boat a couple times, you know, uh, went to Tampa and watched him give a speech. And uh, so it was it was a blast to do. And th those are the kind of projects you like. You never know when you yeah. jump something like that and you – you get embedded with somebody in a way and, and are you going to like him at the end or not? But we, uh, we had a good time doing it. Good. Yeah, so good. I, I'm curious, going back to the beginning of Jimmy's time at Miami, you know, he, he takes over for Howard Schnellenberger who left, you know, big boots to fill at Miami. Obviously Jimmy, I'm sure looked at Miami having just won a national championship, being pretty loaded with talent and knowing Jimmy, he probably could really see those rich, fertile recruiting grounds in a way a lot of other coaches probably didn't realize at the time. Was that at that point, Dave, in 84, was that considered uh, a home run slam dunk hire on both sides? Like it was, was coming to Miami. Was that Jimmy's top choice? Was Jimmy Miami's top choice at that time? Before Dave answers that, I can tell you from a fan's perspective, who the hell is this guy from right? Oklahoma State and Arkansas? Yeah. Right, Dave? yeah. <laughs> was at Oklahoma State, and, and uh, you know, he, he, nobody really knew who he was. And here he comes in, and and remember, he's placing replacing Schnellenberg, very popular coach, won the national title, and and, and there were a couple assistants, Tom Olivadotti being one, mm -hmm. really were dying for the job and angry they they didn't get it, and so, and then Jimmy because. The, the timing of it, Jimmy was hired in June and all these assistants were under contract still. Right. And mm. he, he was told you have to take any assistant who wants to stay. Well, most of them wanted to say he could only bring one coach, Butch Davis with him at the time. And, uh, which was a disaster. You know, I mean, I mean, I mean, I talked earlier about how important the assistant, his crew, as he called them, were to Jimmy. Well, he steps in and all of a sudden he's, he's, he has these guys on the staff who, think he's a country bumpkin from Oklahoma and are upset they either didn't get the job or their friend didn't get the job and uh it, you know it was a bad first year wow not to not to mention the defense that Olivadotti played in the defense oh, yeah. that he wanted to play it's two different things that's what I love a lot of those games they choked but well, yeah he was upset about that the story Olivadotti of course he left he right. he Kept dropping his keys on the table the first Jimmy's first meeting. He said, I can't, I can't coach with you. And he left. But uh, Bill Trout was the defensive coordinator. The famous story, Doug Flutie's famous miracle in Miami, or however you want to phrase that, uh, the pass uh, to Gerald Phelan to win the game. Hail Flutie or something. Hail like Flutie. That's what they call it. Uh, before it, uh, before that play, Jimmy's calling up to the press box to Bill Trout to say, Prevent, prevent. One of the pre and he can't get him because he's already left the press box and he's coming down. Oh man! 
he thought they I, I talked to Bill Trout thought they won but you know that that sort of sums up the miscommunication wow. between on that staff and our buddy and our buddy Alex Tolbert Bain and Daryl Fullington were the two guys that got burned on that that's right so they had a backpedal and they should have been back by the goal like just like we lost this year to Georgia Tech they screwed up I came to Miami the uh the summer after that game and I went out to Daryl Fullerton. I, I was signed by the hair. I worked for the Miami Herald at the time, go out and talk to them, the defensive backs about that play. Cause you know, it was still resonating. And I went up to Daryl Fullerton and asked him and he said, what? And <laughs> he goes, he goes, what play? <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> oh man. You yeah, know, it's, Colbert on the other day, but I don't uh, really talk to him about that. I try to. No, stay uh, we stayed away from that. And, and something I'm curious about, Dave, uh, with Jimmy, did did he have like any notable career regrets? Because obviously, you know, he had uh, he had a ton of success, Miami, Dallas, and you know, obviously the the Dolphins thing didn't go. He built a lot of talent down here. Did did he regret going to the Dolphins? Did he? I'm, I'm guessing he didn't re regret leaving the Hurricanes because of all the success he had in Dallas. Is there anything he'd like to have back? Well, I mean, uh, like any coach, the big losses were there. the Fiesta. Yeah, Bowl. yeah, that bothers him. That yeah. bothers him to this day. Uh, um, you know, that was his worst loss, and yet at the same time, one he said that that's the one I learned. You know, it, it was the final stepping stone to who I became, you know, because it taught me a lot about, you know, how, how to w keep winning and, and, uh, how, how, you know, no matter what anybody says, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, pile it on or whatever. So, I mean, that was the final brick in his uh, foundation as a coach, I guess. Right. Uh, and he wishes there was replay on that Notre Dame. Cause that was a bad, that was horrible. Terrible. That was bad. Yeah, you could just see it. It's like he's looking like, well, there's no replay, and you they know, got it wrong. The regret that he really has, and um, you know, this is why the what made gave the book an added dimension was how much time he spent with coaching and the teams and and all that. And he went weeks and weeks without seeing his family, his sons. His sons grew up without. You know, they may just stunning. Think of how many games, football games, he saw as a coach coaching himself or attending to recruit or, or whatever. He never saw his sons play high school. Wow. Yeah. And, 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 uh, it's just stunning to me that, that, uh, but that, that sums up, you know, the, the, you know, he went all in as a coach. I love that. And, and just curious, Dave, uh, you know, Miami just wrapped up a, a seven and five season under Mario Cristobal. Uh, your thoughts on the current direction of the program? Uh, boy, it's, it's kind of a, if, if you're given a, a grade, it would be undecided when yeah. I feel like Maybe. it's still murky as what's going on. Uh, you can see, you can see progress. Look at the offensive line this year compared to the last 20 years. Right. Very good offensive line. Um, and, and yet how they lost the Georgia tech game is something that's going to stick with Mario. Okay. And, and the ups and downs. When they beat Texas A&M um, in the fashion they did, I thought, okay, they're 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 onto something. And yeah. you know, it's not going to be a straight lineup, obviously, but they're going to ha have a good year. And uh, I, I'm I'm a little mystified. I'm not unclear as to where they are. 
you know, have they made steps forward? Yeah, um, I, I guess when I look at the offensive line, a few other areas, but are they progressively what I expected from when, when he came in here? No. So, um, and the, the whole Tyler Van Dyke thing, uh, look, it, it, it's, it's no surprise to anybody that, that he's going in the transfer portal, that he's leaving. It's probably the best thing for both sides. Um, mm-hmm. um, and, and that, that whole situation is mystifying to me from two years with Brett Lashley. He was so good. Texas A&M this year, he was so good. And I thought, okay, now he got a coordinator he can work with and, and, you know, a system that, that will bring out the best in them. And, and then whether it was injuries or, uh, what is it? The quarterback? Is it the system? Is it the coach? I, you know, uh, someone explain it to me. It, it is weird though, Dave, that they had those four wins, and then they go to the conference against Georgia Tech, and that offense that we saw just the other day against Boston College yes. disappeared. We yeah. should have blown Georgia Tech out, but yeah. we didn't. And then not only was it not taking the knee, they got the ball back, and they scored. We had one timeout. We should have called a timeout before the last play. So none of what happened would have happened. But the safeties are six guys by the goal line. Let them catch the ball underneath. The only thing that could have happened bad is what happened. So, and then the North Carolina game is like a week or two late. No, the next week. Yeah, the next week. We're winning 17-14 at the half. And all of a sudden, they come out in the second half with a no huddle. And it's like our defensive coordinator says, I've never seen that before. So we'll have to correct it during the week. And boom, they got killed. I don't that the coaching to me didn't help these kids. In certain instances. Yeah, and then you go the Boston College game. Again, Texas A&M, where, wow, this is who they are. This is who they can be on their yeah. good on their good days. Um, and, and yet they almost beat Florida State with a true freshman. Yeah. Yeah. Up there, no less. And they, and they almost beat a good Louisville team. I know I know Louisville, uh, you know, they, they soiled themselves against uh, Kentucky the following week, but that, that's a darn good team. And Miami was toe-for-toe with them at home, too. And our defense played poorly for the first yep. time all year. They were really yeah, bad. Right. They, had, they had a collision right. where these two guys collided, and the guy kept on going for the game-winning touchdown. The whole year was so screwed up. It's hard to even pick moments, but there's a lot of moments really good and a lot of bad moments. Right. And Mario, now he's got to have – he's losing players. And, and Alex and I have been doing this now for like nine months, Dave. They need a defensive tackle. They didn't get one in the recruiting, and they didn't get one in the portal yet. Yeah. Um, they need a quarterback. They haven't gotten one yet. And they need uh, a, a DB. They brought like 10 DBs in, and none of them are that good. So I know he's built the offensive line. He's done some great things, but he's missing pieces that he absolutely has to look at. Look where we are. If Jacory Brown goes into the portal, Dave, you might start in the bowl game. <laughs> but the question is, Jacory Brown going to be back or not right now? You know, and okay. and, and yeah, you got to walk on starting the bowl game if he does. So. Well, I know I've told Alex. I know that he told him before the season started. I don't want. I want out of here. I'm going to transfer out. I don't want to play. And that was obvious. He didn't play. And now, if he's if he doesn't play in the bowl game, you know he's leaving. Which he, he is. He is at, at the latest on that, he is expected right. to play in the bowl game. That doesn't. He could hit the portal the day after. That doesn't right. guarantee he stays long term. But Brown is expected to play in the bowl game as well. That's a risk because if he plays poorly, I don't know what happens to his value. Yeah, but if he plays well, it's a good audition. Whether right. it's to stay here or go somewhere else. So what is does Jimmy? He considers himself Miami, though, not Dallas, doesn't yeah. he? 
the the only team he says was special. Every every place else was just a job, except Miami. Wow. Right? And uh, um, you know he, he comes back. He talks to the team. Uh, you know, once a year or so when when asked. And uh, but that's the that that's his team. That's well, he got a, he got in the, he got honored at the uh, Clemson game. Him and Dennis, because Dennis and I were together upstairs in the players' former players' suite, and Chuck Foreman. But he was there that yeah. day. He's, still, he's he's a legend here. Everybody loves him. And unfortunately, for any other coach following, including Butch and Dennis, this is the standard that he set. People yeah. want to see that again. Not necessarily Dennis's teams or Butch's teams, but they want to see that again. They the word swaggers, it's never going to happen. You can't do those things anymore. Yeah, I, I think you'd take Butch's team, wouldn't you? I, mean, I would take Butch's. Oh yeah, I'd yeah. five first round picks for what? Or four straight years. Thirty-eight people drafted from the two. <laughs> yeah. In fact, if, you, if, if I was to say what's the model for Mario, I wouldn't say Jimmy, even though he played for Jimmy and Dennis. I would say Butch, right? Butch, who who hits it out of the park recruiting, and that carries him on game day where you're like, eh. yeah, right. Yeah. But he came from they they were they had the probation. He came from dead yeah. zero. Yeah. At least, at least Mario. Now, I think what hurts Mario more than anything is the NIL, because his greatness of recruiting is reduced because of people can offer money for a kid yeah. that he's been locked in with for eight or nine or a year or two or three, you know, and that it, they could just here, here's more money, goodbye. Yeah, and the question becomes, where's the money? Uh, where's the sugar daddies going? Are they staying? What's going on yeah, there? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I got to keep that life wallet stock pumping up, but we, we appreciate the time from Dave Hyde. Awesome job. And guys check out the book swagger. Uh, if you're a Miami fan, if you're a Jimmy Johnson fan, probably most people watching and listening to this are both. You need to read swagger. Dave, of course, co-wrote the book with Jimmy, Mr. Hyde. Appreciate you so much, my friend. Thank you for spending some time and have a great rest of your week. All right, Alex, Bruce. Good seeing you guys. Thanks you for having too, me. Dave. I'll stay in touch. Okay. Thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate. It. I told you he's a great guest. Of course, he's a great guest. Uh, I, I've done. Uh, he didn't want to hear any more of your nonsense, though, Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> we will talk to everybody again next time on another episode of Locked On Canes, part of the awesome Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.